So we've been in this series for about 21 weeks. In this series we're calling Church Health Matters. Uh, as I've mentioned before, when we first started City Church Garland, we before we started City Church Garland, we gathered a, a core group of folks from uh, City Church International and started to meet on Sunday nights. And the first thing we started to talk about was what does a healthy church look like? We want to be, we don't want to just start another church. We want to start a healthy church. We want to be a healthy church and help others experience life in Jesus and flourish in the relationship with Jesus. So we went through a little study on what, what health church health looks like. And that's been something we're committed to here at City Church, is to be healthy followers of Jesus. The Apostle Paul, in his epistles to Titus and Timothy, used this word nine times or so, the word sound. He wrote his spiritual son Timothy and Titus, young pastors trying to encourage them and instruct them in their leading. He used this word sound. He talked about sound doctrine, sound words. Being sound in the faith, sound in love, sound in steadfastness. And the word sound there is, it means healthy, to be healthy. And so pastorally, one of the roles of a, a leader is to, to shepherd people towards spiritual health. And that's what the Apostle Paul was aiming to do in 1 Corinthians. He's trying to lead the Corinthian church to being healthy Christians who are flourishing, who are living out the gospel, believing the gospel, applying the gospel of Jesus Christ to their lives, and just permeated with love. Today I've titled this sermon, Ministry, Partners, Plans, and Posture. Let me just point out a couple of different ways, some of the things that we learned about what healthy churches look like in the book of First Corinthians. First, we saw that healthy churches walk in unity with one another. You see, a lot of the instructions that we get within First Corinthians is not there because the Corinthians were living this out, but they needed to be corrected in so many areas. And one of the areas they needed to be corrected in was their disunity, the factions that were among them. The immaturity and the pride that led to contention within their church family. And it was destructive to those who saw what was going on. Especially for an outsider who comes in and they're like, I thought Christianity is supposed to be about love. But you guys are not getting along. And so, so we learned about how healthy churches walk in unity with one another because we have the same spirit, the same Father. We're the body of Christ. We have one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Healthy churches center on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You see, the Corinthians got focused on Apollos and Paul and Peter. They got focused on these, these, these good leaders and they like maybe like their style and they identify with these leaders. But the Apostle Paul brought them back to the person of Jesus. Did Paul, was Paul crucified for you? Was, did, you know, uh, did, was Peter crucified for you, Apollos? But no, Jesus. And so he, he tried to center them on the gospel so that they would flourish and grow in health. Healthy churches depend upon the Spirit's power and guidance. We looked at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Healthy Christians cultivate humility and interdependence towards one another. This is what health looks like. 
Healthy churches also address sin within the church, chapter 5, through teaching and lovingly exercising church discipline. The same book that has the love chapter in it, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the most well-known chapter, also has instructions in how to address a brother or sister who's living in habitual sin and not walking with God in, in their sexuality or in other areas of morality. And so the Apostle Paul gives instructions in that. Healthy churches foster purity in their relationships with those of the opposite sex. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because we've been bought at a price, saints. We must glorify God with our body and our spirit because we're His. We're not our own. We must embrace God's design for marriage between a man and a woman. The Apostle Paul talked about that. This is what healthy churches do. They acknowledge and embrace and teach God's design for marriage. There's many, many unhealthy churches that you can find today that are straying on this particular issue. And it's a sign, it's a warning. Something's not right when you start abandoning God's beautiful design for marriage between a man and a woman. Healthy churches avoid letting secondary issues divide. The Apostle Paul had to address the issue of eating meat, sacrifice to idols, whether whether the, the Christians should do that or not. Some, some felt free to do that in their conscience, and others didn't. It was a secondary issue, but they were making a big deal out of it, and it was causing division. There are a number of secondary issues, and I listed 20-plus issues that are secondary issues that we must not let divide us as Christians. We don't want to be guilty of what the Corinthians were doing, majoring on the minors. When we major on the minors, it creates disunity within the body of Christ. But when we focus on Jesus and we focus on the things that are most important to the Christian faith, like living a life of love, like the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation by grace through faith, and a number of other core tenets of the faith, it helps create unity because we gather around those things. And specifically the person of Jesus. A couple of other things that we learn from Corinthians. That healthy churches learn from both positive and negative examples in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There's warnings there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul points the Corinthians back to the Old Testament, to the Israelites. How they committed idolatry and sexual immorality. And they grumbled and they complained. And he said, these were written for our example that we should learn not to be like that. That we should follow God who's faithful. And every time you're tempted, he's going to make a way of escape so that you're able to endure it. Healthy churches use their spiritual gifts to serve and build up one another rather than to show off and, and, and communicate with our gifts. Look at how awesome I am. Right? The purpose of our spiritual gifts are to glorify God and to do good to others. And this is what healthy churches do. And lastly, healthy churches allow love to be their driving motivation for life and service. Okay, this is the, this is the spirit, this is the thread throughout the entire letter of 1 Corinthians. A healthy Christian is going to be marked by love. That should be the most obvious characteristic of anybody who names the name of Jesus. As Jesus said in John 13, He told His disciples at the Passover supper, 
He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By, all th- by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that's what we're committed to here at City Church. To being a people who know Jesus, love people, and impact the world. We value loving community, doing life together, and living out the one another's of Scripture. The dozens of one another's in Scripture that we're commanded to apply to our relationships. We're committed to living those out together by the grace of God, by the empowering of the Spirit. And so since we're, we're wrapping up 1 Corinthians today, I thought it would be helpful to just give a recap and overview of some of the things we looked at and talked about over the last 21 weeks. Let me start with my big idea and then we'll look at the text. Today, we're looking at this big idea that God calls his people to partner together using the resources and strengths to support one another as they carry out his plans for advancing the gospel. God calls his people to partner together using the resources and strengths to support one another as they carry out his plans for advancing the gospel. Go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. If you don't have it, your Bible, it's up on the screen. And I must admit, this is a more challenging uh, chapter to outline. Kevin was kind of, make he kind of laughed and made a statement about that the other day because it's like Paul's instructions. He has a couple different things going on. There's a bunch of different sermons that could be preached here when you got all these different instructions and and aspects. And so we're going to try to bring it together with three P's. Ministry partners, plans, and posture. Okay? Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, So you also are to do on the first day of every week. Each of you is to put something aside and store it up that he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Let me just stop there and explain a little bit first. Um, the Apostle Paul was gathering a collection for believers in Jerusalem. Apparently there was a famine. There were some hard times that had hit. And perhaps even the Jerusalem the Christians in Jerusalem experienced some trials and persecution. It was probably hard to be a Christian at that time living in Jerusalem. It was probably hard to do business at that time as a Christian living in Jerusalem. And so there were poor Christians there. There were Christians who were struggling financially. And the Apostle Paul was using his platform to be of service to others. He was using his authority, his influence, his gifting to try to help serve those who were in need. And I love how the body of Christ does this. I love how we are a family globally. No matter where you go, in almost every part of the world, you're going to find family, Christian, brothers or sisters who know Jesus, who love Jesus, who worship Jesus. And we are to have this mindset that we're in this together. 
We're to work together. Now, this should start with those who are closest to us. Okay, look to your left and your right. This should start in our family, right? In our church family, in our community, in our workplaces. You find those believers, right? And and, and in our city, in our region, it should start there. We should partner and connect with and support one another with our resources, with our gifts, with our talents, in whatever ways that we can serve one another because it's not about us building a little kingdom. It's not about a little city church garland kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God that we're seeking to advance. We want to see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see people from every tribe and every tongue worship Jesus who was slain for them. And so we're committed to that here. Now, I think it's it's beautiful to note that this was, you know, there were, you know, a lot of Gentiles within this church, Corinth, a very un, known as a very un, ungodly city. And um, Paul was collecting an offering to Jewish Christians, to the, the saints in Jerusalem. Isn't that beautiful? It was mentioned a little bit last week, but but that's something we celebrate here at City Church is that this unified diversity, how the gospel tears down barriers that separate the races, the socioeconomic barriers, the the, the rich and the poor, uh, the black and the white, right? The Asian and the Latino. Uh, it, it tears down barriers. And even today, we have some diversity within the room. And we love that. We embrace that here. Because we're family because of Jesus. And we have a common faith. We have the same Holy Spirit. And the same Heavenly Father. As I often like to say um, to, to somebody just recently, uh, a friend of mine, my, our kids were asking uh, he, they they heard heard us call one another brother, his kids, and he said, "He's your brother." I said, and we both said, "Yeah, he he's my brother," and I said, "He's my brother of another mother." Is, that's what I like to say, and it's true. We're family, and we should treat one another like that. And that's what Paul told Timothy: how the church should treat one another, treat older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Treat older men as fathers, younger men as brothers, right? And so we're to have this purity and this innocence and this loving affection towards one another as the family of God. Now, we all have a crazy aunt or uncle, right, in the family. We all have somebody that's a, that's a little out there, and we're like, yeah, I'm related to them, you know. Um, but they're family, they're family. You gotta love them. They're in the family and you treat them like family and you love them like family. Okay. Anyways, side trail. Ministry partners. So, so we see Paul networking here. We see Paul using his influence to, to serve those who are in need. Paul had said that, that he was going to remember the poor in Galatians 2.10, I believe. He wasn't going to forget about the poor. Jesus didn't forget about the poor. And he was, he, Paul was living out that commitment here to remember the poor. The apostles wanted him to do that. 
And we'll go on to his ministry plans and we'll come back to ministry partners. So Paul describes his ministry plans. He says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend winter. Notice the word perhaps. So that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see for I do not want to see you now in just passing. I hope to spend more time with you. If the Lord permits, if the Lord permits, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door of effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Okay, let's talk a little bit about ministry plans or just plans. How many planners do we have in the room? Like you got your meal planned out, you got, you got your calendar written out for the rest of the year. Don't be ashamed. You can raise your hand. Okay. All right. I love it. We need plan. I need more planners around me, right? Planners are, are, we need plans. Planning is good. Now, how many of y'all just go with the flow? Like, you know, you take it day by day, you know, your verse would be, don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus says tomorrow will take care of itself. There's enough trouble today to focus on, right? <laughs> uh, tomorrow's not even promised to us. We don't even know if tomorrow's going to be here. So just let's live it up today. No. Um, you know, planning is good. We need plans. You know, a lot of times things just get chaotic if we don't have any plans, right? And the Apostle Paul was a planner. He was living intentionally. He didn't just go with the flow. Now, he did follow the Spirit, and he adjusted his plans. But notice his his attitude. Notice his perspective towards his travel plans. He's acknowledging something very important here, namely the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God over all our plans. Proverbs tells us a man plans his way, but God Directs his steps. The horse is made ready for battle. But victory comes from the Lord. Right? Now we have a human part in being faithful and responsible with our lives and stewarding our time well. Right? Like I, I want to make like this this summer we had plans to the, the to do things with our kids. We had ministry plans for this summer, and I'm thankful that we took the time ahead of time to plan those things out. The mission trip, the VBS, and they happened. And if nobody planned them, that it wouldn't have happened, right? But but we must always acknowledge this in our plans. That God is sovereign over them all and he can change them. And life happens. You know, we're not in control of every moment and every detail of our life. God is in control. And this is why James tells us that we should, when we're, when we're talking about tomorrow, we shouldn't boast about it. Come now you who say, let's go here and travel for a year or two and do business and do this or that. But you don't even know What's going to happen tomorrow? You're, don't you know that your life is a vapor? You ought to say, well, first he says, all such boasting is evil. It's evil. It's, it's arrogant to boast about your plans as if you're sovereign over your life and you're the, you're the master of your fate and you know everything that's going to happen. You don't. Our lives are at the mercy of God in the hands of God and that's a freeing thing. That's a good thing. It's a very good thing. And Paul recognized that. Paul was committed to doing God's plans, 
to doing God's will. And this is what James teaches. He teaches us to say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or we'll do that. If the Lord wills. All right. Now, this isn't like a license for passivity. Well, if the Lord wills, it'll happen. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't to encourage prayerlessness. If the Lord wills, will that'll happen, right? Jesus taught us to pray for God's will. Intentionally pray for your will be done. We should try to plan according to God's will. Invite God in or join in with God in planning your schedule, your ministry plans. What has God called you to do? Who has God called you to serve? Where has God called you to go? We must humbly acknowledge that we're limited as human beings and our life is ultimately dependent upon the sovereign, merciful God. He says in verse 9, for a wide door, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. Just notice that there. Paul was looking for where God was working and he would join in with him. This whole idea of planting churches and making disciples, that was not just Paul's idea. He was commissioned and sent by Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, right? It would be arrogant of us to try to go and make disciples and and mentor people and teach people about Jesus if Jesus didn't command us to do that but he has commanded us to do that in his authority we we should make plans according to that agenda to be disciple makers to share the gospel with our co-workers plan for it pray for it ask god to give you an open door knock on it see if the door will open Ask a few questions. See if somebody, if, if your coworker's ready to hear the gospel. Okay. Back to ministry partners. Verse 10. When Timothy comes, see, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brothers Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. And he will come when he has an opportunity. So just notice Paul's exhortation here. Help him. Help Timothy out. He's doing the work of the Lord too. He's doing his, his plans are, are ministry plans. His aim is to serve and, and help others flourish in their faith. Paul refers to that in Philippians chapter 2. He pointed to Timothy and he said, I don't have anyone else like him who's not seeking his own, who's, who's seeking uh, the things of Jesus Christ. So Timothy had that mindset that Paul had. Now let's look at ministry posture. Okay. Now these verses here will stand alone by themselves. And I, and I considered just preaching on these verses alone, but I didn't want to neglect all these other little little aspects of first corinthians chapter 16 ministry posture is what i'm calling this little section be watchful stand firm in the faith act like men 
Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Okay, we're going to come back to that. <laughs> like I said, this is a tough, tough chapter to outline. Ministry partners again. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. And they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints, to be, be subject to such as these, to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortinus and Achaeus, because they have made up for your absence. For they have refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. Now let me just highlight this, uh, this comment here in verse 18. They refreshed my spirit. As I was reading that and thinking about that, I thought, I want to be that person that refreshes the spirit of others. Not drains others when they're around me. But when, when somebody leaves spending time with me, they feel encouraged. They feel like their faith is built up. They're stirred in love. I want to be that. May we aim to be that together. And Paul goes on, he says, the churches of Asia and send your greetings and Aquila and Prisica together with the church in their house send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you, send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. So that's what you're to do with ministry partners. Greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and I, and I gotta address this because we, we have some, we have some different cultures right here. Right now, in in, many, in in my Italian family, this is it's common for us to greet one another with a kiss on the cheek, right? So we, that's just what we do. We're family; nothing weird about it. You know, give my aunt a kiss on the cheek, my mom a kiss on the cheek. Right? It's just a uh, something we do. Uh, Latino, many Latino cultures. That's just something we do. Right now, what's that? No. <laughs> Kiss your mom on the cheek, right? Um, <clears throat> now, m- many white cultures, it's, that's not really, you know, y- you'll be happy if you get a handshake, right? Uh, handshake is nice, right? Uh, here, in, as our church family, one of the things that, that I've noticed since I've been a Christian is there's, there's affection that's freely given through hugs, handshakes, and, you know, and there's just a freedom because we're family, nothing weird about this. Now, at, now at first, I must admit, at first, I, I kind of struggled with, you know, learning how to relate in a healthy way to women at, when I first became a Christian because I had had made some really poor choices in my relationships. Um, but by by God's grace, I've been able to to grow in cultivating healthy relationships and and seeing sisters in purity and seeing older women as mothers in purity. Now, I'm not saying we need to greet one another here with a holy kiss. I think there's a principle here that, that we should apply, and that is we should be affectionate to one another. We should have brotherly affection, right? We should be kind and affectionate. Okay, sorry, that was a little awkward. Let's go back to ministry posture. <laughs> this was a conversation I was recently having. Somebody here is like, man, what's up with the holy kiss? Like, Latino brother, what's up with the holy kiss? We need to like implement that here. So I just felt like I needed to talk about it a little bit more. 
and just say, don't worry, all my Caucasian brothers and sisters, a handshake or a hug will be just fine. All right. But there's a principle of we're family. We're affectionate towards one another. We're to treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, so let's go back to this ministry posture. And this is kind of what I look forward to sharing about the most here. Be watchful, the Apostle Paul says. Another translation says, be on your guard. Be alert. Be watchful. What do we need to be watchful for, saints? What do we need to be watchful for? Okay, be watchful for where God is working. Okay, for sure. Okay, Jesus used this word. He said, "Be watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So we should also be on guard and be watchful against unbelief, Satan's craftiness, deception, false doctrine. Like, right? And so we're to be alert. We're not to just live our lives with our eyes closed. We're to be mindful because we live in an evil day, right? And, and yet God is still working in the midst of it. And there are opportunities in the midst of the darkness. There are opportunities. Um, I used to make a joke when uh, I was single. <clears throat> People would ask me, you know, have you found anybody yet? And I said, um, you know, I'm watching and praying. You know, I got one. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking, God, is there anybody out there? But I'm praying. I'm trusting you. Um, be watchful. Be alert. Be on guard. The enemy wants to destroy people. He wants to destroy people's faith. He wants to destroy our hope. He hates us. And so we need to be alert. We need to look out for one another and we need to look out for opportunities to advance the gospel, as Paul says in, uh, Ephesians 5, he says, redeem the times, for the days are evil. Redeem the time. Make the most of the time. Stand firm in the faith, he tells the Corinthians. Stand firm in the faith. Okay, think about the whole chapter he gave on 1 Corinthians chapter 15, defending the gospel. Christ is risen from the dead. You are going to rise from the dead. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We cling to this. We believe this. And it changes the entire trajectory of our life. And we are to stand in it and to continue believing it and not be shaken. When we hear things that sound very crafty and smooth, like, oh, there's, there's many ways to salvation. Act like men. Act, this is a great verse for the men's retreat. This is what we, what we shared on the men's retreat. Now let me just say, I don't think, I don't think Paul is uh, blurring the gender roles here. He made the gender roles very clear in 1 Corinthians. Okay? But this is, this is, this is a term that the apostle, or that the Old Testament uses. It, it talks about, uh, acting like men or, or being courageous, uh, some, some translations say. And it's, it's in contrast to, um, acting like children. Okay? Like Paul had corrected the Corinthians already for acting like children in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Infants. Toddlers. Arguing. Bickering. Not getting along. 
Uh, in Ephesians uh, 4, he talks about uh, not being like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And so here he says, act like men or be courageous, be strong. Very similar to Joshua 1, where, where the Lord instructed Joshua to be strong and courageous for he's, he, I'm with you. And notice he follows it up with let everything you do be done in love. Again, this is weaved throughout the book of 1 Corinthians. This is what Paul is trying to point the Corinthians to. This is, this is what the, the most clear fruit of living out the gospel is going to look like is your love for one another. So be strong, but don't just be strong to show off. You see, see, the Christians had some gifts. They were very gifted, and they were using their spiritual gifts to impress people. They were using their spiritual gifts to look more spiritual, right? And so Paul corrects their, their, their misuse, and it gives them a whole chapter on love so that they would be motivated, that they would think through, why am I using this? Am I using this to build up, or am I using this to show off, right? I mean, I, back when I was going to the gym, I used to have the thought when I would see certain guys <clears throat> with just, just ripped. I mean, just all kinds of muscles. And I would, I would question like, what are they, what kind of work do they do? Like, are they serving coffee with those huge muscles? Do they, do they need those huge biceps to, to hold the coffee pots and pour, pour the coffee pot or a waiter, you know, a waitress? Or what are they doing with those muscles, right? Um, and I'm sure there are plenty of people who work out just to impress others with their muscles, right? Um, and, and not everybody does that. But but my, 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 my point is this, is that we are, if God has made us strong, if you are gifted and you are strong, you're strong in intellect, if you're strong spiritually, if you're mature, if you have, if you have a strength, and a gift working in your life, use it to serve others. Paul follows it up with every, let everything you do be done in love. God's made us strong to serve. Now, let me just say this too. I don't think Paul's just saying, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be strong. We don't just find this strength in and of ourselves, right? Because when, when life hits you, like two people that I heard this week, who come come here diagnosed with cancer when life hits you with something like that it's not really helpful to hear somebody say just be strong just pull yourself up it's going to be all right right we need a strength outside of ourselves we need a strength that comes from the almighty and the reality is that when when we, when life hits us with, with stuff like cancer or loss of job or, or, or whatever it is, we feel weak. We feel discouraged. Times we feel like giving up and throwing in the towel. And so where do we draw our strength from? God's given us resources. Paul, even though he calls the people of God to be strong, and he himself walked in it, he was also able to say, I'm weak. He told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. That's pretty vulnerable. 
Like the Apostle Paul, I was with you with weakness and fear and much trembling. And my words were not with the eloquent words of um, the, the wisdom of men. But, but I, um, that, that your faith would not be in the word wisdom of man. My speech and my preaching were not with eloquent words. That your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, the Apostle Paul was willing to acknowledge his own weakness. And I'm excited about this theme that because he, he carries that theme in the book of Second Corinthians when we launch that Lord willing, if the Lord permits, next Sunday. Because Paul talks about some really tough ministry discouragements. And, and he talks about being weak and in his weakness, him finding strength. God's strength that fits perfect in our weakness. And so we can be strong because our Savior is strong. And He's strong in us. And He's the one who sustains us. He's the one that, that gives us the source of strength. Paul, in Romans chapter 15, talks about the strong and the weak. And, and <clears throat> I'm going to just read these verses. It says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. All right? So, if you feel like you're in a, you're in a season where you're, you're just walking in God's strength, you're walking in God's grace, okay? Then let's find those around us who need some support, who have droopy hands, who have arrows and discouragements that they need, they just need some, some, someone to speak life over them and encouragement over them, words that will bring healing and hope to them. Let's use that strength and the energy that God has given us to be of service to others. This is what ministry is. It's service. It's pouring out our lives, our resources to serve others. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this. Let us each please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. Jesus lived on mission. Jesus, the king, the servant king, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What did Jesus do with the strength that he came into this world with? He healed the sick. He opened blind eyes. He freed those who were bound in their sin. He removed the shame and gave acceptance to the outcasts. Spent time with people that were culture or socially excluded. And he welcomed them in with arms of grace. And he called them to turn from their sins and experience God's rescue. And so this is ministry posture that we should have. The posture of service. Look at verse 15 and 16 here. He says, Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. 
Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. Service. God has made us, God has given us strength and gifts so that we can serve others. Let's be about that. And, and we are here at City Church. I love it. I see, I see the Christ likeness in so many of you here in the way that you serve one another. When there's a need that arises, there's prayer that arises, there's action. When somebody needs help with something, there's action that happens. And I don't have to do all the ministry here. I'm, and I'm not, God hasn't designed it for me to do all the ministry here. We're all ministers. We're all called to service, to serve others. And the other posture is a posture of submission. He says, be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker, fellow worker and laborer. Now, a lot of times when we think of submission, we just think of husbands submit to your wives, right? Some of the ladies are like, yeah, and we don't like hearing that all the time, right? But the Bible doesn't just talk about wives submitting to husbands. The Bible talks about each one of us submitting one to another in reverence for Christ, right? That's just a couple of verses later in Ephesians chapter 5. This is the posture that ministers of Christ are to have, okay? Because we are the body of Christ. And we have need for one another. And each of us have the spirit of God dwelling inside of us. And so if you have a word of encouragement or a word of warning, we need to, we need to listen. Or if you have a, a, a gift that I don't have in, in a way that you can serve, um, then, then I'm to give space for that. And vice versa, we're to have this posture of submission one to another. We're to speak the truth in love one to another. None of us is, none of us is, um, none of us is incapable of, of sin and, and failure and error. We're all vulnerable to it. And so we need one another. Okay. So lastly, let's finish with this benediction here from Paul. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Oh, come. Lord, come. Our Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all. In Jesus, in Christ Jesus, amen. And so Paul closes this letter with this benediction, but also this, this statement of, of a, a curse, uh, anathema. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. And this is, this is true for those who don't know the Lord and those who don't love the Lord. And it's the opposite for those who do know the Lord. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed. There's no hope. There's no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. So we point people to Jesus. Paul, Paul also said earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, no one no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God, and no one who um, let's say no one who has the Spirit of God will curse. He 
He says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the spirit of God. Um, and so let's close in some application here. Here's a couple of points or actually a question that I want to ask you before we look at two points of application. Who are those that God has brought into your life? to partner with and how is he calling you to serve and support them right now who are those that he's called you to partner with to link up arms side by side for the sake of the gospel and how is he calling you to serve and support them walk with them encourage them pray for them So here's two two points of application. Find your strength in your relationship with God and other believers. God's given us three resources to draw strength from. Scripture. He's given us truth. The word of God is powerful and it tears down strongholds. It's described as the sword of the spirit. It's a powerful weapon. It's a mighty weapon that we have to fight against spiritual attacks. He's given us his spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. He enables us to be witnesses. He enables us to glorify Jesus. He reminds us of what Jesus has said. He produces the fruit of love. Love for Jesus, love for others. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then the saints. God's given us the saints. He's given us a community in which we can draw strength from when we feel weak. Here at City Church, we have community groups. And this is a place where we can do life together and get to know one another better and pray for one another. Talk about the word together. Sing together. Eat together. And then just kind of take relationships to another level from the Sunday morning. Um, and then from from the groups to, to one-on-one or um, deep, deeper relationships. And so we, we encourage everyone to get involved in, in community groups here, especially if you're going through a hard time in your life. When, when life hits and you get those diagnoses and you, and those, those hard times come, you need community around you to pray for you, to encourage you, to comfort you. One of the verses we're going to look at next week, Lord willing, is Paul says that that God is the God of all mercy who comforts us in our tribulations, in our affliction, that we might comfort those in their afflictions, right? And so God's given us tremendous resources to find strength. And lastly, use your strengths and resources to serve and share with others. And you'll find great joy in doing so. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for our time and your word. I pray that these truths in 1 Corinthians would shape our lives. That we would look like Christ more. We would serve like Christ more. That we would be more unified and walk in harmony with one another. 
as Christ prayed for before he went to the cross. Make us one according to your plan.